Welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore. And we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at yourdestiny.church. We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he's doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message. Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. If you have it, yeah. If not, I'll give you a moment to turn to it. If you sat down, stand back up. We like to stand for the initial reading of God's word to remind ourselves that God's word is powerful. Come on now. God's word is Don't try to play me just because I'm on screen. I know it wasn't good enough the first time. Uh Uh-huh. I got y'all. All right. Oh, by the way, while you're turning, next Sunday is Catalyst. 6 p.m. And listen to me. One of my mentors, Pastor Joel Stocksdale, he really should go by Prophet Joel Stocksdale, but he doesn't walk in that uh, title. But he is 100% a prophet. God speaks through him in ways that have transformed thousands of people's lives. It is going to be a supernatural encounter. Last catalyst, people were literally sitting in the lobby, sitting on the platform. I don't expect anything different. So I encourage you, mark your calendar, 6 p.m. next Sunday. It is going to be bananas. Y'all ready? Here we go, Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. It says this, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now towards the heaven and count the stars. I love how shady God is. If you are able, in other words, count the stars if you can, to number them, And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Now, this is God talking to Abraham. And as you may or may not know, Abraham and his wife were barren. They were unable to have any children. And God promised Abraham that he was going to make him a great nation. But Abraham was 75 years old, still with no children. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to fulfill my promise to you. Come out, look at the stars, as many stars as there are. That's how many grandbabies you're going to have. That's a lot of grandbabies. I'm going to skip the verse 8 and it says this. And he said, Lord God, How shall I know that I will inherit it? In other words, how do I know that you're going to do what I'm believing and what you said you're going to do? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them into down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down, somebody say the vultures. You have to remember that. When the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, for your presence in this place. God, we're thankful that our faith produces, that miracles are our inheritance. And God, that you're in this room in this moment to speak to us and to direct us. God, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Before you sit down, high five two people. Tell somebody, stop blaming God. Come on, tell somebody, tell somebody. Oh, oh, is that where we're going? That is where we're going. Stop blaming God. So we're in week three of this series called Now Faith. Somebody say, Now Faith. Now 
Come on, don't play me. Somebody say, now faith. Now faith. And we've been talking about what faith is. Faith is that God can. Faith is that God cares. And faith is that God will. And then last week, we were talking about how do I discover, how do I figure out what God's will for my life is so that I can confidently stand up and say, God will do this. Now, what I want to submit to you today is just because God can, just because he cares, just because he will, just because you've received confirmation from God that this is his will for your life and you've extended your faith, just because you and God agree does not mean it's going to happen. Just because God says he can and just because you said amen doesn't mean it's going to happen. Y'all know how I do. Somebody say prove it. Daniel chapter 10 verse 12 and it says this. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel, for your request has been heard in heaven and was answered the very first day. Somebody say the very first day. The very first day you began to fast before the Lord and pray for understanding. That very day I was sent here to meet you, but for 21 days. Sounds familiar? Come on now, day 15 of 21 days of prayer. He said, for 21 days, the mighty evil spirit who overrules the kingdom of Persia blocked me. Then Michael, one of the top officers of the heavenly army, came and helped me so that I was able to break through these spirit rulers of Persia. So watch this. Daniel's in captivity in Babylon. And he found in scripture that God said that they would only be in captivity for 70 years. And on the 70th year, they would be set free. So Daniel found his biblical support that this was God's will, that they wouldn't be slaves anymore. I feel like it was like January 1st. I don't know if they used January back then. But January 1st of year 71, Daniel's like, okay, I'm up. The Bible says we need to be free. We need to be free. And he began to pray that God would set them free according to the word that he had prophesied over them. For 21 days, Daniel prayed and saw nothing. Like 21 days. Can you just imagine? 21 days, he feels like God's ignoring him. 21 days, he feels like God has reneged on his word. 21 days, he feels that other people are God's favorite or whatever it may be. And on the 21st day, an angel shows up. And here's what the angel said. He said, hey, the first day you started to pray, God answered. And his answer was yes from day one. The only problem is your answer was blocked. That it was caught up in spiritual warfare. Another translation says the prince of Persia, the demonic spirit over this realm, was blocking your answer coming to pass here on earth. And as you were praying, God was dispatching more angels until Michael, who was like the head honcho of the army, came and watched this word. He said, I have now broken through to bring to you the answer that God said yes about 21 days prior. Now, I, uh, I, I try to stay away from all types of addictions. I don't do drugs. I don't drink. Uh, I, have, I have one addiction, and somebody said it's only addiction if you're trying to break it, so it's probably not an addiction because I'm not trying to break it. Uh, mine is sneakers. 
Uh, <laughs> I, am, I am a shoe fiend. I'm a sneaker guy. I kind of, I am the one that Saturday morning, 10 a.m., I am on the app praying in tongues over my Nike app. Lord, please, 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 please help me win the raffle. And my prayers are usually caught up in spiritual warfare because I never <laughs> win those raffles. I think my wife is jinxing them. I don't know what it is. But there was this one time, it was probably... Oh, sometime next, last year, and, and you got to see, and all the sneaker folks in the room, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not a sneaker folk, you're judging me, and that's all right, because God's just judging you. So it's all good. But <laughs> I'm literally sitting there, and I got like my iPad on, my phone on, my computer on, the clock is ticking down, and I'm in like four different raffles at the same time, and I'm like hoping, like, please, 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 please. And for the first time in my life, I won the raffle. I go to my wife, it's like, I won! And she's like... And some of you are looking at me like that right now, like, you have a problem. I know, but I don't care. But anyway, I'm like going nuts. I'm crazy. I'm like, yes, I won. And, and, you know, you go through the process. And about three hours later, they send you a tracking number. And normally when I order something online, they send me a tracking number. I'm like, whatever, I'll get here when I got here. But you understand, I was waiting for these, like, for real, for real. So I get that tracking number, and I check it the second they send it. And they're like, well, uh, shipping label hasn't been printed yet or whatever it may be. I check it Monday. They're like, it's in Quebec. I check it Tuesday. It's like in Toronto. Wednesday, it's in Kentucky. Thursday, it went to L.A. I'm like, no, we're moving backwards. Like, I'm on the East Coast. Like, let's get it there. By Wednesday, I get the notification, your shipment has been delivered. Now, this is bad because I, I work at the church and I'm the boss, so I'm not going to tell you if I left early that day or if I left at the time I'm supposed to leave, but I was anxious to get home. I get home and I pull up to the house and there's no package outside. Now, I'm not worried. I'm not concerned. You know, maybe my wife got home before me. Maybe she grabbed the package. Maybe Roman uh, thought he wore a 10 and a half and he took the package in or whatever it may be. I parked my car. I run in the house. And I'm like, babe, did some package come? She's like, nope, I haven't seen anything. And I'm like, I don't know where, where's my package. And I'm like literally ripping the house apart. I'm just like, what in the world happened? I, I called the company and said, hey, it says it was delivered, but it's not in front of my house. And they were like, well, we sent it. And based on our tracking, it got to your front door. So what it happened or what happened past that moment, we don't know. But as for on our end, we've delivered it. So I uh, ministered the way of the Lord to them. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, but what they did is refund my money. <laughs> because here's what happened. Somebody stole my shoes. This is Howard County, y'all. That should not happen. But somebody, I guess, was, spoke, uh, you know, stalking or looking out, and they're like, oh, this looks like the perfect size, my size, or whatever it may be. And they swiped what I had extended my faith for, wow. had paid for, had got a yes for, but it never got delivered because a thief took it. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Here's one of the things that believers have to understand. So many of us, we, 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 we live in like this mental, spiritual incubator where we don't realize that we live on a battlefield every day of our lives. 
And we're just like, you know, I don't have a problem with the enemy. He shouldn't have a problem with me. I don't want, you know, don't start nothing. There won't be nothing type of deal. And you have to understand just by the simple fact that you were made in the image of God, that when the enemy looks at you, he sees God's reflection coming back at him. You are in opposition to him. And his goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. Not to be afraid because God says he's covered you and he's protected you. But you need to be aware of that. So you can, so here, here's what happened. Some of us were praying for healing, and we feel like God said no. We're, we're, we're praying for breakthrough in this area or breakthrough in that or whatever it may be, and we feel like God has said no, and God is saying to you the same thing he said to Daniel. From the first time you set your heart for understanding, I said yes, but that yes ran into warfare and is waking for breakthrough. Now, you, you guys know me. I, I just have this pet peeve how, you know, some of we've been in church for so long, we, we, we say things and we don't know what it means. Come on, we sang it today. I know. Come on, my studio audience is singing. Come on, one more time. I know breakthrough is coming. Can I be a shady pastor for a second? Y'all up here, I know breakthrough. You don't have a clue what breakthrough is. You, you know what breakthrough is? Breakthrough is when the answer to your prayer has broken through the demonic barrier that has been trying to break or block what God has for you. Hmm. I'm going to try not to leak the rest of the message. So could it be that we're blaming God? So many people, why didn't God answer this prayer? Well, why didn't I see this come to pass? Why not this? Why not that? Why not this? Could it be that God said, I answered. I said yes. But you stopped praying on day 15. You stopped praying on day 20. And you were so close to seeing that breakthrough. Our Father who art in hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on on earth, as your healing is already in heaven. And God is saying, I need you to not, not, not renege on your faith until you see it break through here on earth. So today what I want to do, I'm going to give you just three thoughts, three thoughts on how to uh, counteract the enemy's attempt to block the promise that God has for you. The first thing is this, and if you could write this down, I'd really appreciate it. If you um, don't write this down, um, I do not appreciate you as much. <laughs> this first thing is this, don't be swayed by circumstances. Don't be swayed by circumstances. In this passage that we just read, God came to Abram, who was 75 years old and had no children. His wife was barren and unable to have children. And God came to him and said, I'm going to give you a son, and your son is going to produce into a mighty nation. And Abram said, no, that ain't going to happen. It's not scientifically possible. There's no way that's going to take place. He said, how about just do it through my servant? And God says, no, 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 no. I don't need your servant. I'm going to do it through you. And he said, to prove you and to help build Abram's faith, the Bible says that he took Abram out of the tent, out into the wide open. And he said, look at the stars. If you didn't hear last week's message, make go show to go on YouTube and watch it. But do you remember how we talked about you have to get a vision first? Yeah. 
This is God taking Abram through the exact process that we were talking about. If you can't see it, God can't do it in your life. He said, Abram, look at the stars. Look at all that you see up there. And if you can count them, you're going to be able to see how many descendants you have. By the way, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that if you are of faith, you are a descendant of Abraham because everybody who is in the faith of God has come from Abraham. So he says, hey, you can see it. And remember what Abraham said next? He said, how will I know you're going to do it? Somebody said confirmation. confirmation. Abraham is like, I'm not going to be the one out there talking about God told me. And he says, I need proof. And God says, okay, this is what I need you to do. Go get a bunch of animals, cut them in half, put them on two sides, and then the way we are going to make this covenant is we are going to walk through the center of these two halves. And literally in that time, the way that they would announce that a pact, a contract has been signed is that two people in the agreement would walk down the center aisle. Anybody thinking about a wedding? Her family's on this side. His family's on this side. They come down the aisle at the beginning of the wedding by themselves. But when they walk out, you know, the power invested in me, I now pronounce you Mr. and Mrs., they hold hands and they walk through the two sides of the covenant. And it's a last declaration that we have made a contract called marriage together. We still do it to this day. So God is getting ready, pardon my French, to marry his commitment and to say, I am committed to doing this in your life. And then what did it say? It said vultures came and tried to steal what represented the promise. In the Bible, any scavenger birds, vultures, and ravens, they represent demonic spirits. That literally was the enemy trying to steal the promise that God had made to Abram. You have to understand, every time God promises you something, the enemy is there trying to steal it. There's this passage in the New Testament where a man brought his son who uh, struggled with seizures and was demonically depressed and all this other kind of stuff. And he brought him to Jesus' disciples and they weren't able to heal him. And then Jesus came down from the mountain and he said, Jesus, can you heal my son? If you don't remember that passage, he had that powerful statement where he says, God, I believe you can help my unbelief. I believe for me what he was saying is I know you can and I know you care. I'm just not quite sure that you will. And look what it says in Mark chapter 9, verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, so, so the, the, the boy was demonically oppressed and people came to see what was going on. It says, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, death and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. So what did the spirit do? It came out, Right? Watch this. And he, the little boy, became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. This man brings his son to Jesus, asks Jesus to heal him. Jesus heals the boy. And after Jesus heals the boy, the boy looks Y'all, Jesus is there. Jesus said that he's going to do it. Jesus actually did it. And it looked worse before it looked better. 
That's why the Bible says we live by faith and not by sight. Because every time you extend your faith, the enemy is going to try to steal that faith by showing you something that's opposite to what you promised God for. So if you're believing God for a spouse and God is giving you confirmation, I'm sending you a spouse. I guarantee you over the next 30 days, you ain't going to see nobody. You're going to feel like everybody has disappeared from planet Earth. You may ask God, God, I'm believing for increase and I'm believing for a promotion. And you're going to get like reamed out for messing up on a project or whatever it may be. Because the enemy is instantly trying to steal your faith. The Bible says this in Psalm 105, verse 19, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. This is talking about Joseph. So you remember Joseph had the dream, I'm going to make you a great man and your, your brothers and they're going to worship you and bow down to you and all that other good stuff. And then it was 13 years between the promise and the fulfillment. And it said during that time of waiting for that promise, not God, but the word that God gave Joseph tested him. It tested his faith. It tested to see, are you going to believe what God said or are you going to believe what you see? That if God really said he was going to do it, it would have been done by now. The time in between God's yes and the manifestation here on earth, it tests your character. It tests, am I going to trust God's yes and wait for him to do it, or am I going to try to force it myself? After a while, when God's promise didn't come for, to pass for Abram, he, he got a mistress. And he said, well, I'm just going to make a child with somebody else because it's not going to come through my wife, Sarah. And can I, <laughs> I'm going to get me in trouble. I won't. The descendants of Ishmael, where, God, where Abram tried to force the promise of God, is the cause of all of the turmoil in the Middle East right now. All the turmoil in the Middle East is between the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac. Man trying to force the promise of God when God says, I'm going to do it myself. Time tests your integrity. Can I stay faithful? Can I stay pure? Can I stay trusting God that he's going to do what he said he's going to do even though he's not doing it in the time that I thought that he was going to do it? And when it doesn't happen in our time and we feel like God said no, God says, I didn't say no, but there's a battle that's going on that has to be won before you see my yes here on. Come on now, that's good preaching. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 says this, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. And make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak, watch this, it will not lie. God says, listen, if I've promised you something, if I've given you confirmation, it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tear. This is, this is confusing. He said, write the vision and make it plain. He said, because it will come. It's for an appointed time. He said, I'm not a liar. If I said I'm going to heal you, I'm going to heal you. If I said I'm going to give you breakthrough, I'm going to give you breakthrough. If I said I'm going to transform your life, I will. He said, though it tarries, hey, even though you have to wait for it, trust me, because it will not tarry. I thought you said it's going to tarry. Now you're saying it's not going to tarry. I am so confused. He said, my yes is instantaneously. 
It may take a moment to see it come to pass here on earth, but you need to trust the vision that I've shown you. You need to trust my character that I care and I am not a liar and it will come to pass in your life. This is, this is not in my notes, but I just really sense this. What are some things that you think God said no about? So you've stopped praying about it. And God says, no, 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 I never said no. Pick that prayer back up. You have to see it to the point of breakthrough. So first thing is don't live on message. The second thing is this. We have to learn how to engage the enemy. And (laughs) this drives me nuts. God did not call you to be a passive Christian. I don't know why we get this idea that being a Christian means that we're just laid back and, you know, I don't want to start no trouble. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus is a lamb that was slain before the... No, he is a lamb, but he is the roaring lion of Judah. He is the king of kings. He is a warrior. And the Bible says that he has trained our hands as believers for... Somebody say amen to that. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says this, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The enemy wants to destroy your family. (laughs) I don't know why I just says this. The enemy is on some of your teenagers' Instagram account. And you're like, I don't want to invade their privacy, and I don't want to be that overbearing. You need to be that overbearing parent because there is an enemy there that is trying to bring violence to your home. Violence to your health, violence to your, you know, I don't need to pray about finances. You guys are money hungry and you know, I'm just, I'm, I have enough. The enemy want us, wants to destroy your finances. So the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent wait for God to do something about it. Hmm? The violent sit back and pray harder. No, it says the violent, they take it. They take it by force. We have to know, how do I engage the enemy? How do I take back what was stolen from me? Well, the first thing is this. You have to learn how to use the word of God as a weapon. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says to put on the armor of God so that you can stand against. I love the New King James. It says the wiles of the devil. I just take that to mean the devil be wiling out and you need to be guarded and armed and ready to respond. What's the word of God or, or what's that sword? The sword is the word of God. And how do I use it? I use it to distinguish, to extinguish the lies of the enemy. In Ephesians 6.16, it says this, above all, and okay, I'm going to warn you guys, I need you to shout at me. You guys ready? Take up the shield of faith. Come on, I need you a little bit louder. Take up the shield of faith faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So here's what happens. You're sick. You go to God, our healer, and you begin to pray and ask God, God, I know that healing's your will. God, give me a verse. God, give me a vision of myself healed. Give me a revelation. God, I'm believing that you will do it, and you get the confirmation in your heart that God will heal you. He said yes. Oh, let's just do this. Let's say you have a slip disc in your back. And you're praying, God, touch me. God, heal me. And you get that confirmation. Here's what's going to happen. The second you get that confirmation, you're going to hear this voice in your head. But your back is still tight. 
but you're still walking, you're still favoring your left side or your right side, and he's going to begin to build a case on why what you sense in your spirit and what God said in his word can't be true. He is shooting, literally picture doubt, darts of doubt and fear trying to penetrate and erode your, your, your faith. That's why he says he'll guard our hearts and our Right? And if you have God's word hidden in your heart, it's a shield of faith that you pull up. That, oh, but you still have a, a, a pain in your back. So what? Yeah. I don't live by sight. I live by faith. Yeah. Oh, but you're still favoring your right side. So what? God is not man. He is not a liar. If he said he's going to do something, he's going to do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says this. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And look, look what it says. It, it, what's a stronghold? It says we demolish arguments. It's, it's breaking down what a stronghold is. It's the enemy arguing with what God promised he's going to do in your life. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sells itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I don't know why. This is like the ultimate Mortal Kombat verse. Is I just, oh, come on, where's my 90s babies at? I just hear, finish him. It's like take that thought captive and make it obedient to the word of God. Man, you just got fired from your second job. You're just always going to be poor. You, you, you just don't have what it takes. Take that thought captive. And make it obedient to the fact that God says he will take me and use my gifts to bring me before great men. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor their children begging for bread. Here's the problem. If you don't know God's word for yourself, you're sitting duck. You have no shield. You just have to take it. I remember... What was it? It's going to be probably about four years ago when we had a campus in, in Baltimore and the campus in Laurel. We were combining the two to move to, to Columbia. We actually owned a building in Baltimore where our church was meeting. And the building had been on the market for four years. And we got offers that fall through and, and we just could not sell the building. Well, we had finally got an offer on the building and we were 24 hours away from closing. And actually, the equity from that building is what we were going to use to fund all of the equipment in Affleton High School and to be able to move the church forward. So we were kind of waiting on this deal to close. And I'm sitting in my office. I'm excited. I'm, I'm thanking God that we finally have seen a breakthrough in that area. And, and Damon, one of our pastors, he walks into the office and he says, Pastor, are you sitting down? And I'm like, you can see I'm sitting down, man. What are you talking about? And he said, the bank just called. Something happened with this and with that and with that. The deal's not going through. We're not going to be able to sell, sell the building. And I looked at him and I said, okay. And he said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> he was nervous. <laughs> he was like, are you sure you guys? I'm good, I'm good. He walks out, I stand up, kind of walk out the back door of the church. And if anybody remembers Woodlawn, we had like this storage unit out in the back. And it was like just kind of this abandoned oasis. And I go out there, and when I tell you, I look like a madman. I am praying in tongues. I am re I'm going to war because I know what God promised me. Yeah. 
and I'm not saying, God, why did you fail me? God, you said this. God, you said that. Because I knew that God had nothing to do with it. I had already had my yes. I knew that the enemy was trying to block what God promised me. And I'm sitting there, and I am praying, rebuking the enemy. I command you, Satan, to get off of what God promised me. He said, all authority is. I don't need Jesus to step in on this one. He has given me his authority. The funniest thing ever is UPS was making the delivery, so the UPS driver is driving by, and I promise you, I scared the snot out that man. He was like, what is wrong with this guy? Is, what is, but I'm there in warfare prayer, not against God, but against the enemy. And I'm out there praying, and in my spirit, I felt the breakthrough. How did you know breakthrough was coming? Because peace just swept over me. And there was just this sense of there's no need to pray anymore. It's already been done. I go back into my office. I sit down as if we've already closed. About an hour later, Damon comes walking in and he said, you would not believe what happened. I said, try me. (laughs) He said, let me tell you. He said, they just called back and said they mixed our paperwork up with somebody else's paperwork. There was no problem in the first place. We are closing just like we're supposed to close. The finances came through. We launched Athelton, and here we are today. Here's what happens. We get a no, and we think it's from God, not realizing it's just the enemy trying to steal our faith. And why do we pray 21 days? Because that's how long it took to get a breakthrough. If Daniel would have prayed 30 days, if he had got his breakthrough in 30 days, he would have prayed. I wish he could have got it in seven days, and I don't got to fast for 21 days. But it's not, there's no magic number that 21 brings breakthrough. Here's what brings breakthrough until I see it come to pass in my life. I have so much respect for our armed forces. Come on, can you take about two seconds to just honor God and thank God? Come on, that's a weak clap. Can you thank God for the men and women, even in our church? Like, it's just weird. I I actually always wanted to be in the military, and it never happened, and this is going to sound so bad, and please, if this is disrespectful for those in the military, don't be offended, but you know your pastor, I'm half crazy. I wanted to be a Marine, and the only reason I wanted to be a Marine is so I could get married with the sword. You ever ever see when Marines get married, and and all the Marines hold their swords up, and, and you and your bride walk through, and I'm like, it's like right next to a king. Like, that's so cool. Then one day I was outside and they had the little marine truck that came back and it says earned, never given. And I'm like, nope, don't want to earn it. So <laughs> that's so disrespectful. Please forgive me. But one of the reasons why I had so much respect for our military and special forces and the warriors of our country is because they are trained to be calm in combat. In scenarios where we would all go running and crawling under the closest table, they are trained to think clearly to control their breathing, and to respond to the threat. One of the reasons I realized that God gave me an affinity for the military is not necessarily to be a part of the natural military, but to be a part of a spiritual military and to be able in the midst of the onslaught and attack of the enemy to remain calm, not fling my faith up in the air and take off running, but to say, God, where do I need to focus my prayer to vanquish the enemy so that I can see breakthrough? I learned this from my parents. I remember we, we were in New York one time. I had a cousin that was getting married, and my sister actually struggled with seizures. 
and she was at a, uh, a wedding uh, rehearsal. The wedding was the next day, and she ended up having a seizure uh, in uh, the rehearsal. We were in Brooklyn, and they took her to the hospital, and they rushed her to the hospital, and um, it was the worst hospital in all of New York. It was possibly the worst hospital in all of the country. And I'm not going to name the hospital, but if you heard a few years back that somebody died in the ER of a hospital waiting to be seen and they weren't seen, it was that hospital. And my mom is, was in the medical field. She was a nurse, so she kind of knew that was bad news. And her daughter is there, and a doctor who was just honestly overeager and didn't know what he was, going, what he was doing said, hey, it's time to do surgery. We got to do surgery right away. And my mom was like, don't you touch my daughter. And the doctor said, well, you don't have to sign off on the surgery because she's an adult and blah, 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 blah. And we're not going to release your daughter. And you, you moms know. <laughs> Wolverine, them claws come out. Mama Bear is like, oh, it's about to. But I watched my mom not cuss nobody out, not start to scream, not shout, but okay. Do you mind leaving the room? She closed that door. She started pacing around that room, not begging God, but going to war. Yeah. Father God, I'm not my daughter's protector. You are. God, you are in control, not that doctor. And God, we pray even now that you would have your way, that you would remove the enemy. We literally felt that the enemy was trying to kill my sister. Would you believe in about three minutes, a nurse cracks the door and she says, excuse me, do you mind if I come in? She's like, yeah. That doctor has a tendency of rushing into surgery when he has no right to. And he's actually wrong. He cannot keep your daughter here. If you sign this waiver, we can get your child transferred to the best hospital there is in New York City. And God sent, I believe, an angel in the midst of that war to bring breakthrough. But she didn't freak out, she didn't scream, she didn't cry. She went to war and God opened the door. Sometimes when the enemy comes in like a flood, we have to learn how to breathe, how to calm down and allow God to bring the victory that he promised to bring. Sean, come up and play. We're going to land this plane. The last thing is this, write this down, write this down, write this down. Raise your expectation. So here's the last key. If the enemy dare touch you and dare attacks you, here's just my thing. If he's going to attack, he's going to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I refuse for the enemy to step in a territory in my life that he has no authority to be in and then for things to be set back in the status quo. Here's what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 22 verse 4. If the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall restore double. So here's what, this is going to sound weird. I actually get excited when there's spiritual warfare in my life. Because the sign of spiritual warfare means that the outcome on the other side is going to be greater than I was praying for in the first place. Because God is not a God that just restores back to the status quo. God is a God that demands it must be restored double. Somebody say double for your trouble. So here's what I'm saying. If the enemy dare attacks your health, don't just settle for your health being back to normal. God, my story of healing has to trickle through my entire family. And every unsaved cousin, unsaved uncle, every person must come to the kingdom of God as a result of what you're doing in this moment. Watch this. Abram was just asking for a child. But because the enemy dare block the promise of God, God says, I'm not just giving you a child. I'm going to give you a nation. Can I mess with your faith a little bit more? Y'all know I always like to do this. 
do you know that human beings were never intended to be in heaven? There he goes, walking on that edge again. No, in Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth, and he placed man in the garden, and it says that he came down daily and dwelled amongst man. Heaven was not designed for humans. Heaven was designed for God and his angels. God designed earth to be a place where he met with us. And not this earth that we're in now, but that earth had no sickness, had no disease, had no problem. It was a perfect paradise for us. But then what happened? Satan came in and he tried to steal the promise that God made mankind. Oh, can I get in trouble? I always do. There's this song, Let's Get Back to Eden, Sitting on Top of the World. God doesn't want to take you back to Eden because when the enemy attacks, God never restores you back to where you were. It must be double for your trouble. So God said, because the enemy dared touch you, we're not going back to Eden. We're going to eternity in heaven with me because it always has to be better after the attack. Some of y'all still look at me like, uh, I don't know. You really... He says, no, 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 no. If you're going through a storm, if you're going through a battle, if you're going through a fight, demand that the enemy pays back double for your trouble and watch God do things in your life that are exceeding abundantly above that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, that we are not weak sitting ducks but you have given us the power and the authority of heaven that literally when we pray, warring angels are dispatched on our behalf. God, I pray that you would give us the spiritual stamina, not just to pray once and to walk away in dejection, but to understand that as we continue to pray, our breakthrough is coming. Right where you're sitting with your eyes closed and your head bowed, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, this message, personal to you. There's many of you in this room right now where if you would be honest, you would say, I can't say that I'm a Christian. I can't say that God's the controller of my life, that I've truly surrendered to him. And you think it's because you just didn't want to make that decision. And what you don't realize is the Bible says that the enemy has been blocking your ability to see how good God is. And in the name of Jesus, in this moment, God's given you eyes of faith to see that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. If you're in here, you say, Pastor, I've never seen how good God is. I've never surrendered to him, but I want to. You can do that right in this moment. Right where you're sitting, I'm not going to have you stand up or come up front. But if you say, hey, I want to surrender my life to Christ, can you pray this prayer with me? Matter of fact, everybody in this room, out of encouragement of those that are making the greatest decision, say, Lord Jesus... Today, I surrender to you. Thank you for opening my eyes that I can see how good you are. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate? Can you celebrate for every single person? God, we honor you. Hallelujah. Thanks again for tuning into this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. 
Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.